I would like to acknowledge while recording this podcast on the traditional lands of the Watamakotakal people of the Eora Nation and pay my respects to the elders both past, present and future. You know it, you can't avoid it, it has embedded in each generation since its creation, even people married into the culture. Now as three episodes of the Book of Boba Fett came out, it is too soon to experience the overall vibe of the series. This series may give off a story of reclaiming of the land he fought for, or in this case, work for. Boba is a significant character in the Star Wars franchise and brought a settlement to viewers with his glorious return in the Mandalorian series. It points out that as much as we love the cameos, we shouldn't rely on bringing old favourites to have a continuation of the character arc. Some character arcs, while others do succeed in this, but some others do tend to stretch out thin. Cameos are good because they obviously bring a good response and when they do, they'll appear again and again until they'll get their own solo TV series, example, Ahsoka. But viewers like myself are starting to get fatigued and we want obviously something new and but yet familiar. But I want to point out the direction, some something different, yet still in this theme of Star Wars, but in, in a different twist. Yes, Star Wars is very sacred to a whole group of people, but if done right, it will succeed. If done, poorly. And you know what happens. We know the timeline of the release of the TV shows, but some people people miss out the release of Star Wars Visions. It has been well over three months since its release date, and I was originally supposed to do this podcast episode But unfortunately, uni got in the way, so I had to put this episode on hold. I want to see the behind of the scenes of Visions. If Mandalorian get one, why can't we? Today will be interesting as I'll be talking about Star Wars Vision, an animated series, nine episode, with a collaboration with seven different studios. Is it a great series? Stay tuned to find out. I want to first point out, I want to know how it started, how it began, because this is remarkable. I love, I especially love partnerships between studios and the ones that are given an opportunity to produce something creatively. Not only that, but reach outside the demographic rather than inside the normal Disney hub. If you don't know, Star Wars Visions was released on September the 22nd last year on Disney Plus and released nine short episodes from 14 to 22 minutes, each telling a unique narrative of the Star Wars universe. All pushed the boundaries of the franchise while still holding the true Star Wars spirit. Each episode has a building block. It brings a refreshing new experience. If you are looking for something different, unique, this series is truly for you and shines out for this. The hard thing is is to watch them all at once because you are then eventually going to compare it to each other. You, but you can take your time. It truly and truly know each episode, and you to appreciate this. The episode's production in point. Um, now, backtrack before the animation series, before this animation series, 
we had Star Wars: The Clone Wars, which had which fleshed out the events between Episode Two and Three, focusing mainly focusing on the relationship between Obi Wan and Anakin, and introducing characters that will eventually make an impact on the future Star Wars franchise, notably Soka Tano, Ahsoka Tano, and the Clone War, the Clone War, uh, the Clone Squad. Sorry, and exploring the galactic expansions between the Republic and the Senate. I could go on to so much detail about this series. I grew up with this really very closely with this and I obviously cried my heart out in, as Clone Wars was cancelled at the end of season five because the mouse in the house bought Lucasfilm and I cried again when the series was finally completed and completing the whole story of the Order 66 and the impact of it had on the Jedi Order. Now, it became a bit dis- disarray when they announced the, a different series after they cancelled Clone Wars that is part of canon as Star Wars Rebels. For me, it took me a while to get into the momentum exploring the series, and as part of the, and as when by the time um, series season four, I believe I think that was the last series. Season 4 came out, the audience at this point grew out of the show and that's why they had half of the number of the episodes in a normal season. And as the sea, the as Star Wars Rebels was mainly targeted for younger audience compared to the Clone Wars that had a lot of violence impact, I would say. Now let's track back to Visions. Uh, Vision is is a non-canon and is part of so it's not part of the universe, but I believe we are part of the stage. This in um, Lucasfilm is that they're finding a very critical how to guide the direction of the universe. There are marvelous creators out there, visionaries, but not all are suited to produce the Star Wars universe. Now let me explain on this point. Remember about 10 years ago, people were making fun, more than 10 years ago, people were making fun of the prequels and how they were comparing to to the original trilogy. Now, I grew up with the prequels. I don't mind them. I actually appreciate them. They, I think I appreciate them as they have a more consistency of the storyline. And that was very important when they were creating and expanding the universe. And that's the point. It is very important. Let me repeat this. It's very uh, report, very important when creating franchise or expanding universe. Uh, a universe is consistency. Now, fast forward a couple of years later, Lucasfilm was bought off Disney in 2012. Disney saw it as a good opportunity, aka big bucks. And sadly, George Lucas did not be- uh, believed it was best suited because he was handling the franchise. And Disney, as soon as Disney bought it, Disney was like, sorry, not sorry. We are going to exploit the fans by making a sequel trilogy that will ruin the concept of the Force and the storyline of the Skywalker. Like, the storyline of the Skywalker. You don't know how much that pissed off people. Now, Catherine Kennedy, the CEO of Lucasfilm, had previous relationship with George and Steven Spielberg. Reason that's why she was put into the CEO position. Now it's a good, it's good, but there's certain moments that was not great. Now she makes a direction. She makes as a CEO, she makes the decision who to hire, and 
who is part of the project. She hired J.J. Abrams. Now, who you don't know, J.J. Abrams directed two out of the three of the sequel trilogy, the first one and the third one. Don't want to get more on that. But she hired J.J. Abrams, mainly the reasons, because I, I believe, makes sense, because he rebooted the Star Wars, uh, Star Trek franchise, and it worked 75%, I would say. I'm giving, it's, it's all right. Like, it's good cash grab money. It, but this does not mean he can become successful twice. J.J. Abrams success, is successful in some ways. He likes to to make notable things like in a Star Wars franchise, rearranging the original uh, story by adding and removing some stuff. Nothing wrongs with this. It's just um, when you are executive producer of the series and still blame the other creative director when they try to try to do their own way and obviously how to fix up that director's problem by fixing up in the next movie and everything's come to disarrays and mixed up and you get the whole point. So what I'm trying to explain is when you're making a movie that only is the reason is making for kids, you're obviously going to get the blame for it because this franchise is not for kids, mainly it's for the people Yes, maybe for younger people like me, but mainly the older generation who lived this with this franchise since they were kids. Anyway, it just shows failure of passing the torch to the next person who do not like things their way and want obviously wanted his way and not thinking about the true direction of the franchise, the universe. Now, we can always sleep one point fingers at the CEO, she was, but she had limits, I think, in the creativity way. Um, I do not think she was mainly at the drawing table for this. I think she's on the drawing table now more, especially with the, um, with the great success in the Mandalorian TV series. I think she was there mainly, but with the a sequel trilogy, not as much. Um... I think the reasons why she decided to hire J.J. Abrams because he was the next hot, big thing director who had a good average record on critics and box office, who thought it was a perfect doing of the franchise. Now, this is what happened. It I'm presu- I presumed, but I most probably am, right? I'm going to throw everything at you. This whole Star Wars franchise that's been, been here for about let's say 40 years. I think it's 40 years by this time. 70, uh, 70 89 years. Yeah, so for 40 years. I'm going to throw everything at you. 40 years of stuff. Now, we're not going to... We may You can may include the non-canon stuff like the Star Wars Legends and all this comic books that they had. So you can obviously muddle it. But we won't provide you any guidance of the original from the original creator because we're just going to cut him out because he's not relevant anymore. And this is, and because this is the Disney way. Now, we are not going to obviously shadow you, shadow over you, and free range. Like, what the fuck? That's pretty much what happened, what I see from the outside. Now, you can go on and on about the problem that directors and producers are getting hired based off the box office credits, rather the passion of the labor towards the franchise. I know J.J. Abrams loves Star Wars. I know this. They he made it R2D cameo in um, Star Trek, but that does not mean he directed it the right way. 
was he a reliable creator? Um, so that's one of the things I would like to talk about. We can talk about House and the Mouse buying Lucasfilm and surprisingly, not surprising, not surprising, right after they announced that they're planning to make a sequel trilogy. I was very blindsided with this. I was actually very, very excited of this when it came along, when Kathleen Kennedy uh, announced this. But, but now think about past conversations, how is she a executive creator? You should have some direct control over this. Now, obviously, I, as I was going back to it with the drawing table, I don't think Catherine or Kennedy had doesn't really grasp the technical technical advances, and it was clearly shown in the behind the scenes of Mandalorian, um, see season two of Man- Mandalorian, like episode two. And they were talking about that IA interface and, you know, using multiple photo references, making Luke reappear in the last episode, obviously de-aging him, had all this other stuff. Now, you you can tell with John Favreau, who I love, is obviously putting a good light on her. But I, at this point, I'm not anti-women in the workplace. I am not directing that. I, there are some women, I think I like the... uh, I think it was the assistant director. I can't remember her name, but I really appreciate her when I was looking behind the scenes. But I much prefer you, John Fabro, or Dave Filoni becoming the CSO in the future of uh, Lucasfilm. I much rather than her. I think she, I think they, you guys, have more of a passion of the franchise rather than her. That she because she had the previous experience relationship work relationship with Steven Spielberg and George Lucas obviously she was best suited I think this is it was good a good reason for that but with CSO you CEO you are at this point that you can't be in the technical place of in production and I think that's the reason why people maybe have a negative look into Catherine I'm not I'm at this point I'm on the fence going well I understand why you're angry at her um, I I don't understand. Like, CEO, you have to do a lot of um, sacrifices. You have to do a lot of paperwork. So it's obviously, I feel like you're all in the office more than in there. But anyway, moving on. So obviously, I give more respect to you guys, creators. You, I see more creators involved, hands on, and I think I that's why I really like watching the behind the scenes. And obviously, produce something that has gotten re gotten like a rig a good resurgence of the star wars universe not this bullshit using reusing characters over and over again like solo and trying to put a twist at the end like darth maul appearing like that just made no consistency and making films to fit it to relevant using a couple lines from the original trilogy like road one there is one line I do appreciate in the A New Hope, and that's like talking about the Clone Wars. Now that's interesting, but George Lucas made a film about the Clone Wars or how the start. So I understand that, but I don't understand Rogue One. You're making it, and then you, then you're making a film that that don't make the Star Wars. You're like ripping apart the Star Wars family. You know, you're ripping it apart, smashing it, shitting on it. Like stop adding, like. Stop reusing. Just make something new. Like, how about something new? Like, now that I've bring up to the part, this part, um, 
a good like if you want to talk about adding you can talk about Filoni's Star Wars Clone Wars that had created a huge impact on the franchise as part of canon but even though it literally got cancelled twice um because um they were halfway when they cancelled season five they were halfway through producing season six so they fixed it they only like released half the episode in season six and then season seven but like i think it was four years after cancelled they redid it because obviously there was massive fans behind it as i said huge impact and i i really like the star wars claims i like re-watching them i think it's obviously very noticeable um Star Wars Visions. It's it's talking about like if you notice because Star Wars the Clone Wars wasn't really it was first at Cartoon Network and then there was this whole questioning when they when they released it is a part of canon or not and I think it was around about season I don't know when it was but then eventually they announced that was part of canon. I think they made it canon when Disney finally bought it. Um, bought Lucasfilm and they were like well is this a good series or is this not and then obviously it had a good series and they had a good layers on it so that's why the most probably be like well it is part of canon because they pretty much did most of the job for us but we can talk about like future posts like that's like a future uh, collaboration so with Dave Filoni now we can talk about these Star Wars visions and we can talk about like the solid voice performances in each episode. So like people were involved like Lucy Liu, Neil pa- Patrick Harris, David Harbour, Henry Goldling, Jamie Chung, just, just to name a few. And this is a non-canon. So it was quite interesting that even though it's non-canon, it still like had that whole like they're putting effort in this. And obviously they want to... Um, they obviously, the reason why it's not canon because they're not making all the studios clubbed all together at once. They want to see how they trail and, you know, expand, branch off into the universe. And I was not disappointed. So the first, I'm going to talk about the episodes now. So the first episode that was released was called The Duel by, uh, produced by, uh, sorry if I mispronounce this, Kamizel, uh, Dugan? Kamikaz? Kamikaz? Duga, there we go. I think I got it right. Sorry. Um, works with, and he especially especially works with the opening animations of the series like JoJo JoJo's Bizarre Adventures and then sequence of Terraformers. They mainly produce the like TV commercials, you know, opening sequences of games and TVs, and is known for the hybrid animation, blending two D and three D animation. How that embrace Japanese culture but had that obviously that lone lonely town with the sheriff like in a western field and we can see this and we've seen this storyline before with the like Hollywood west west movies but I think it's just draws on the point and puts it in the next level with its black and white with the color red and it stands out more because it doesn't push back the usage of the minimal colors but actually pushes it forward and with action pack it became one of my favorites and i think this is one of the favorites of other people uh, people watching it um so the next episode i mean it's not in order but i'm going to explain so the so tatooine rhapsody by studio 
Colorido, Colorido, Colorido. Yeah, I think so. Sets a familiar setting with the fun music tone to it, and at the past, and at the past, they created Penguin Highway. Now this brings this has a soft spot for me because it reminds me of the great times that I liked. I was very invested into the anime's openings and closings, so it was a bonus for me. Um, the Village Bride with a Kiant Kinema Sistrix. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's like Cinema Sistrix, but with a K. Okay, so maybe it's Cinema Sistrix. Citrix. Known for the Rising of the Shield Hero, Black Bullet, um, Abyss, and many more. It reminded me of the like Castle in the Sky with a touch of Princess Monarchy. Um, I enjoyed it that had that spiritual factor of the Force, and I think we want to truly understand how the Force directs with certain character events. Um, the Ninth Jedi, produced by IG and I is known for creating marvelous anime series like one of my personal favorites, Psychopaths, Kirito no Buskid, the last season of Attack on Titan, and many more. I found this a really interesting element with the Kyber crystals. Crystals, even though they produce the factor that crystals will change color by your force or like your feel. It's hard to explain, but um, this factor is obviously not canon but still brings a point that Star Wars universe we know we don't know much about and we like adding on about the kyber crystals well I well I don't know a lot I I'm not into a deep dive of the universe and I keep forgetting Star Wars is actual an actual religion moving on uh Lope and Oko uh by Gino Studio produce producing works like Golden Kamu brought us brought a sibling uh clash and you obviously seen one the another similar episode but this it's it's interesting who considering like the family like the clan's daughter or the adopted daughter who ran away from slaves i love the style i think it was one of the one that questions it brought that questioning uh the time length of the episodes some episodes achieve it with good timing but i feel like this episode's so rushed and it's a lot of things um even though it's one of the longest episodes, I still want to learn more about the environment around. And the only thing we get to know is Lope. Lope? Lope? I'm going to say Lope. Runs away from her sister as she went to the Senate side and seeing how the village city works around. Yeah. Moving on to TOB1. Science Saru. What a cute animation. And it obviously reminded me of Pinocchio a bit, but I think it did enjoy it. And it, it was really nice when he continued his master's life goal while being a Jedi, Jedi. And I think that's one of the most pure Jedi ways, exploring and helping others. We mainly grasp and we only we get that exposure, the fact that Jedis are warlords who are really powerful, but actually they're technically peacemakers. I think this just brings a good element if if the seaway um if Lucas film exp- focus more on the side on this side rather than violence violence violence. Okay, Aki Akiri? Akiri? Akari? Akari? I think it's Akari. Oh my god. <laughs> Science an- another episode by Science Saru Saru is is more for its well-known style of its hit series, Devilman Crybaby. So they, 
So this episode is obviously had that trademark look of it. And even the ending, it reminded me of Devil Man Cry Baby. Baby. And I was like, oh, please continue. I want to see more. I want to see how this goes. Like, don't leave it on a cliffhanger. Pretty much did. And even though it had a minor similar element to episode three, it brought more of a dryness rather than we used to the sugar fill like movies. You know, talking about sugar, the twins by Studio Trigger, and then and now that's sugar. Well known for its vibrant colours like Little Witch Academia, Kill La Kill, BNA, Promare. I will count Gurren Lagan because it's that success led to the creation of the studio. I like it because it had that star Skywalker twins, but in our what if factor, the voice work was great. I I'm used to the fast pace of this of the style of it, and I know some people was not used to it, but I actually really enjoyed it. And the unique visuals, and I was totally invested in it, and I obviously noticed the that was part of the team. But however, I did not success. I did not. Ex- expect the success succeeding my expectations with the the episode the elder now i want to remind you when i watched the trailer i was obviously going oh this is crazy i like this episode like i like this character like this character not much about this but i'll still watch all of them either way and one of them was actually when the image appears with the like this old man with dark eyes and I was like oh this is going to be good because I know it's a battle and he's just like sort of reminds me of Emperor Emperor Palpatine but not quite so it was just like and to my surprise it was actually Studio Trigger who made this episode and it's like complete polar opposite what they normally well known for its style and it it may considered and it may consider a slow paced episode but it works in that favor because it had that cat and mouse factor. Overall, I'm it most probably one of my most and in, in include the ninth Jedi and um the what's it called? <laughs> Sorry, um the duel. I think that's one of my favorites, and I think especially with this episode and the ninth Jedi, it has a most familiar look to the the audience no seen in like star wars universe so um and i think that's what i enjoyed about those two episodes um especially ninth jedi and the elder is very similar but too similar means too safe and but i think they did this well because it's overall the series had this whole mix of flavors and i really enjoyed it and Obviously, you can't compare the episodes to each other, but it works better. Some work better with the timing. Some work better with the certain demographic with the audience. But this brings the confusion, the conclusion, sorry, with the Star Wars at this critical point with this massive usage of characters we know so far. And it will be interesting with the future expansions. At the moment, when you're streaming Disney+, Plus. And, and where you will see next or this year, pretty much, at the content throughout. Um, they're obviously trying to keep people subscribed longer because obviously they're doing TV shows that people are more familiar to and that's why they'll keep them sus- subscribed. 
but um i am worried that disney will and it, and it is pretty much at this factor that they will lead to this oversaturation with tv and they'll obviously use this as a marketing tool and it's very similar to what they did with marvel and obviously and yes obviously it's it's um I can talk about this in uh, later podcast episodes, but we are getting so much non nonstop content. We're at this point that I feel like I feel like I'm getting fatigued watching this universe. Now, Disney and Lucasfilm has reached this point that the at quantity over quality, like, do they ever consider less is more? Thank you for listening. Um, as I grew up with Star Wars, we all came at different times when the universe was created. And yes, we are very overprotective of what we love. And hopefully after the year's done, we'll see something new that we expected from the TV shows. Something great. Something out of this world. In a galaxy far, far away.